you, you have got to figure out a way to let journalism stand on its own and do what it does well, which is represent the community and shed, and shed a light on issues in the community. Journalism does not make money. You have to figure out a way to make money so you can subsidize the really important need of journalism. By the way, my journalism group hate it when I say that. I'm not, there's a half of our building that doesn't really like me. Tell Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell here with another piece of audio for you from the 2015 Association of Alternative News Media Conference in Salt Lake City. And uh, today we've got one of the keynotes of one of the Salt Lake City residents, Eric Bright, Vice President of e-commerce at Deseret Digital Media. I don't want to give too much away on this uh, podcast. I I want you to listen to it and uh, think about some of the things he talks about when it comes to how we're going to be paying for the news that we cover. I'll have more to say after the presentation, and uh, but in the meantime, go ahead and listen to Eric Bright of Deseret Digital Media. Enjoy. Thanks, everyone. Really, I apologize for the tie. I seriously never, ever wear a tie. I, one of my colleagues is in the audience here, and she's like, you're wearing a tie? And I never do, and I didn't think that through when I put it on today. But also, I never speak at shows like this where there's so much interaction with the very first speaker of the day, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, John said last night you guys had a, what was it called, what's it like to be a Mormon night? So you guys ate funeral potatoes. How many ate the funeral potatoes? So, and jello shots, how many ate jello shots? So, the only difference there is Mormon jello shots are virgin, so they don't taste as good, they don't have the same effect. What you're going to hear today is uh, I'm the funeral potatoes or jello shots version of media. Uh, we're owned by the LDS Church, so nobody, I, I wanted to announce that and make sure nobody ran out of the room when they first started. But you can kind of get a sense for what we've done at Deseret Digital Media. We're owned by a really, really, really conservative organization. But they set us aside and said, you guys go do your own thing. And when they did that, they said, you hire whoever you need to hire. So our organization is very diverse, meaning the marketplace organization. And we do things totally differently, much like what I'm seeing in the audience. You guys probably do things a lot differently. But there might be some things today that we can share uh, on how we built business models that will help you guys. So I put up here the title today is Best Be Finding Some New Revenue, Son. When we started this five years ago now, uh, Deseret Digital Media, we own a bunch of media platforms. We have uh, primarily news platforms. Anybody familiar with KSL.com? A couple. So KSL.com is, uh, sorry, John, is the largest media company in the state, digital media company in the state. We own a secondary product called DesiretNews.com. is significantly small, smaller news organization focused on a very niche audience. The unique thing about KSL.com, we are larger. We have a classified product in this market that's 10 times larger than Craigslist. And we think we're the only market in the country that ha- can say that. And when we started, the entire product line was monetized by display ads. Not entire, but say 95%. And we had this huge audience, and they asked us to come figure out how to monetize it differently. So 
That's why I say you best be financing new revenue. And when we started this, I don't come from a media background. I come from a consumer marketing and e-commerce uh, channel marketing, ba- channel management background. When we first started this, I hate display ads as much as anybody else. And that was the foundation for our business model. So a couple things before I get started. Everything that I'm going to show you, we bootstrapped. We weren't funded with a heavy fund. We had a very small organization. We started with four of us. Today we're at 65 but we bootstrapped every aspect of it, and we went one project at a time. The next uh, premise of our strategy is content is not a business model. And I know that's hard for uh, people in this audience and many audiences to hear, but content is not a business model. The reason being is it's really difficult to monetize content. You can do it, but we all spend all of our time monetizing around the content. And I'll show you a bit later, that becomes distracting and a noise for our consumers. Think differently, and that means hire differently. At Desert Digital Media, our CEO actually, how many are familiar with Clark Gilbert? Anybody know Clark Gilbert? So Clark Gilbert, uh, he was mentored by Clayton Christensen. He's very deep in the disruptive innovation model where pick yourself up as a business separate an organization and let them do their own thing. Do not leave them in the legacy organization because they'll never be able to innovate. A legacy organization will keep pulling you back. We call it the giant sucking sound. So we think different and we hire different. And then we have a completely different paradigm. So when we started, we came in and everybody was like, okay, how are you going to make money on advertising? How are you going to change that? How are you going to make more money? And we said, well, there's a fundamental difference in how we're going to make money. Uh, And it's really the difference between an advertising paradigm and an e-commerce paradigm. So in advertising, you're focusing on the advertiser. What does our advertiser client want to say to our audience? It's based on CPMs. It's based on sponsorship. It's based on direct sell-through. And my least favorite phrase is it's focused on brand building. How many of you guys go out or your sales forces go out to clients and say, oh, this is really going to build your brand? And your client says, okay, well, how many impressions am I going to get? How many leads am I going to get? And how many conversions am I going to get? And you're like, I'm not sure. You'll get this many page views. That should translate to this many impressions, conversions on your end, but really it's going to build your brand. How many of you have that as a sales pitch? Oh, good, because that's the worst sales pitch in history. Before I joined Deseret Digital Media, I had a DDM sales rep come to me, pitch me on a $10,000 buy. I was uh, in an e-commerce business, hard goods e-commerce, Told me I'm going to get this many eyeballs. How many of you guys are still pitching eyeballs? You're going to get this many eyeballs. And then I was wooed, and I said, okay, great. I'll give you 10 grand. Let's test it. I tested it for a month. Any idea how many orders I got from that? Just guess. Throw out a number. How many orders did I get from that $10,000? Zero. I didn't get one freaking order. Not one. And that was on the most powerful media platform in Utah. I didn't get a single order. Eyeballs don't sell leads and conversion sales. So e-commerce is based on focusing on the end user. Create a really great experience for your customer and you'll get results. Optimize the funnel. Get people to your site and all the way through as fast as you can. Traditional media is get people to my site and then have them dilly-dally around, send them through as many page views as you can because I monetize page views. And ours is based on orders, leads, and revenue uh, and direct response. So A lot of our organization uh, is not marketplace, but DDM is built from people from companies like this. Generally, when you're in an organization, a media organization, you want to hire from other media organizations. We didn't hire from any of these. We hired from companies like this. Not one of them is from media. 
I have two people on my team of 65 who are legacy media organization folks. They're engineers. They were in the organization before we got there. But out of 65, only two of us are from media. But our entire business is a media organization. So let's talk about different revenue. When we first started, we looked at this green line. So this is national revenue between advertising and e-commerce. Green line is where we were targeting, which isn't bad. Forecasted to hit $11.7 billion by 2017. That's a lot of money. I could take a small portion of that pie and do pretty well. But look at the size of that e-commerce revenue. The delta between that and the green line, there's a world of opportunity and a lot of new revenue there. This is the difference in mobile. And when I first started, that mobile line was looking like just kind of a nice steady growth. Look at how that thing's hockey stick in the last year and a half. In fact, it's hockey stick so much that mobile commerce is expected to be at $516 billion. Look at that little blue dot. That's the online, that last slide, that's where that online number stayed. So mobile commerce is a significant opportunity for us. And look at mobile display, it's $11 billion. How many of you follow Mary Meeker? I'll show a couple of Mary Meeker slides. So Mary Meeker, I think she works for Kleiner per Perkins now. She jumps around a lot. Every year she does a state of the internet. She talks about where the opportunities are. She's been talking about mobile advertising opportunity for three years now. And how many of you are really successful in mobile display ads today? Really? Sold them out, but how many, was your inventory high or low? Perfect. We sold, we sold it fast and cheap. We did the same thing, fast and cheap. Now we're stuck with a cheap product, and raising rates is going to be hard because mobile click-through rates aren't very good. In fact, most of the clicks on mobile are accidental clicks. Fat fingers. <laughs> so the other thing we did is focus on a balanced portfolio. In Marketplace, we carved it out. There's no news vertical here. We completely carved ourselves away from news. And we built three verticals. We have classified verticals. We have four products in that classified vertical. And when I say product, I mean a website, basically a fully functioning website. Local commerce, which includes business directory. It also includes deals like a Groupon competitor. Uh, we're building a small and independent site for, or an online site for small and independent retailers in Utah. And then travel. And we got into travel only two years ago, but really it's focused on all of you guys who come to Utah should be able to have a really great way to find out the very best, most authentic things to do in Utah. And I mean that legitimately. When we say authentic, this is not a more, we're not building a site with a Mormon perspective to Utah. We're building a site for everybody to see how freaking amazing Utah is. I moved to Denver. I was telling John this story. I moved to Denver three, four, no, five years ago now thinking it's just going to be like Salt Lake. Mountains are right there. How many are from Denver before I trash it? Denver is not like Salt Lake. It's two hours to the resort. It's an hour to the canyon. And people don't know that. People don't know how amazing Utah is. People just think of Mormons and really bad alcohol. And it's like, no, Utah is freaking amazing. And by having an opportunity to be authentic, we're building a product I'll show you later. And then potentially obits. So this is what our, our marketplace revenue mix looks like today. When we started, we had really four products, and almost all of them, would have a big blue bar. So what these bars are, blue is display ad revenue, orange is non-display ad revenue, so listings and sponsors, and then green is e-commerce. So we're running 10 products today, and look at that blend we have now. So we've basically built a balanced portfolio. In the old days, general cars, homes, and for rent were all display ad revenue. I only have two products left that are heavily dependent on display ads. 
Within six months, I'll have one. The only product I have left where I couldn't turn display ads off and be fine is general classifieds because it's really hard to monetize crappy used couches for sale. But the rest of my businesses are not based on display advertising. Uh, and this is the growth. So this is DDM's revenue growth uh, through the end of last year. When we first started, we were that little orange line. This is our CTO's, our CFO's slide, so I'm sorry, it's an eye chart. He, this is his Mona Lisa. He thinks it's wonderful. It's super hard to read, and I'm sorry. I keep asking him just to go to a line chart, and he doesn't like to because it doesn't have enough colors. But look at that revenue growth. These are, this is actuals. If you laid our 2015 budget on and our actuals, it's a gray line now that he's put in there. It's significantly higher than those black lines. And remember when I told you when we started, we were about, well, John told you we were about $5 million when we started. Today, actually, the full business is, is running towards $40 million this year. Marketplace, when we started, was 9% of $5 million, meaning the businesses that we run. Last year, we hit 50%. So as we've grown these non-display ad businesses, we've grown the top line, but we've also improved our profitability and our future runway. So two things I want to talk about today, two takeaways. The things that are killing our old business model. We, meaning everybody in this audience, we're killing our business model, and I'll show you how. And then mobile, right? Mobile's disrupting everything. And then two paradigms to new revenue. Mary Meeker talks about reimagining revenue. That's literally what you need to do. You need to start thinking about new ways to get revenue, and there are new ways everywhere to find revenue. You guys have big audiences, and big audiences have money. You just have to look at them, ask them questions, and say, okay, I'm going to go build a solution that makes money. And then the last one is make sure that revenue is mobile ready. This is the methodology that we use, and we brought this from our old uh, e-commerce days. Very first and foremost, listen to your customers. That's your only asset. That's your golden goose, your customers. Listen to them. Solve for their needs. Protect yourself from you know, all those other people out there that are trying to chip away at your business. And then evolve, disrupt yourself. In my business, you know, people talk about the big J, you know, journalism, journalism, journalism. And Liz is probably going to talk a little bit about that today. You, you have got to figure out a way to let journalism stand on its own and do what it does well, which is represent the community and shed, and shed a light on issues in the community. Journalism does not make money. You have to figure out a way to make money so you can subsidize the really important need of journalism. By the way, my journalism group hate it when I say that. I'm not, there's a half of our building that doesn't really like me. So let's talk about model killers. We are already killing, we're killing an already tough business model. I'm going to show you how. So when we first started, we went, first thing we did, listen to our customers, we went in market. We've conducted significant numbers of focus groups, usability sessions, quantitative surveys. In all of them, we were asking about the product. How do you use our products? What do you like about them? What do you not like about them? invariably the first thing anyone would say to us is, I really don't like all those ads. The first thing, over 100 different touch points, I really don't like all those ads. So we'd come back and say, hey, do you guys know that our customers don't really like all those ads? This was the response we got. Yeah, that's what they always say. So we've had a media business for, since the 1850s, we've had a media business. And I would imagine in 1851, after we put out our first newspaper, somebody came and said, yeah, there's too many ads. And we probably had a sales VP who said, yeah, that's what they always say. Well, when you're in a business outside of media like e-commerce, if a customer tells you they don't like something about what you do, they're probably going to leave. But in media, we've just said over and over, well, yeah, that's what they always say. What do they expect us to do? We've got to pay for it somehow. 
and you do, but ads is not the way to pay for it. So we went and tried to get some third-party data to validate. This was the first one that I got. Shortly after I started, I pulled this screen grab. So this is my autos product on KSO.com. Look at that. Now you can understand why they say, I really don't like all the ads. The problem is, I didn't pull this screen grab. This dude pulled this screen grab. Terrible Twitter handle, J Slice E E. So take it with a grain of salt. He pulled this screen grab and he tweeted it with that comment said, Think you have enough ads, KSL.com? Ridiculous. Which this dude doesn't have a huge following. But he had three of his peers, so people who, you know, give him some level of credence, they favorited it. So that total network was over 500 people who saw this image. Three of them liked it enough that they retweeted it. So I have at least 500 peers in this market who are telling the world with their social megaphone that KSL sucks because we have too many ads. So this isn't good for us. It isn't good for our customers, and it's not good for our future. So then we came back and we showed this third-party data set. How many of you have used the ACSI, the American Consumer Satisfaction Index? Nobody uses this, and everyone, everybody that I talk to, they don't know what it is. How many of you are familiar with 4C, Qualtrics, Merit CX, or Allegiance? How many of you are familiar with any of those products? Voice of the consumer products, right? So when you're on websites every now and then, ESPN does this a lot, you'll see a 4C modal that comes over and it asks you, tell us how we're doing. They're asking customers, what do you think of our site? So 4C partnered with the University of Michigan Ross School of Business to put together this index. This index has been around since 1995. Go check it out. It's free. You can see all of the index free. What they do is they survey consumers of many companies across 48 different industries every year, and then they rate them in the index based on customer satisfaction. How well are those, customers, how well are those companies satisfying their customers? These are the best, ordered by 2014 results. So consumer electronics industry ranks the highest in the, in, in the index last year. So uh, TVs, uh, video players, phones, all of that stuff, things that we use every single day that are getting better and better and better are growing in customer satisfaction. This is the first year that consumer electronics hit number one. Credit unions, banks scores way low, credit unions score way high. Automobiles, which is interesting, but think about it. In 2008, 2009, when all of the US automakers were hit, taking a nosedive, Ford, probably the most notable, came back and said, no, we're gonna listen to customers and we're gonna build better products. And Ford today is one of the highest consumer satisfaction products on the market, lower costs, Really high value. Internet retail, so e-commerce has always scored really high. And then I just showed the best companies, like the top-rated companies in 2014. Heinz, that was a surprise to me this year. They're number one this year for the first time. I mean, I guess that shows that we as Americans really love food, especially consumer packaged food. Nordstrom, how many of you shop at Nordstrom? What's Nordstrom known for? They've been known for that forever. Except for, I have a great case study. I went into Nordstrom when I had really long hair and nobody would talk to me. And then I got really short hair about four weeks later. I went in and there were all sales reps coming to talk to me. That wasn't awesome. Mercedes-Benz, Amazon. Amazon moved into the top five this year. And then Hershey, right? We all love chocolate as Americans. So for sure it's going to show high. Guess who fell out of the top five this year? Apple fell out of the top five this year. They were number two. They fell out of the top five. Guess who else fell out of the top five? Lexus. Lexus fell out of the top five. Super interesting when you start to see, yeah, I don't hear much about Lexus anymore. And Apple's got all kinds of problems. 
This index has a lot of validity, and you can go through it and see tests. So where do you think online media ranks? If 86 is the high for consumer satisfaction, where does online media rank? Anybody want to guess a number? Not 10. That would be awful. We'd be out of business. They show up at 74, which may not seem terrible. Now, remember, there's 48 industries indexed, hundreds of companies, which 74 sounds great. In actuality, we're in the bottom eight of customer satisfaction. Remember that screen grab I showed with all those ads on it. So who do you think we share the bottom eight with? I don't get this one. Like, I don't understand this one. This one's new in the bottom eight. I guess we're not terribly satisfied. We're so lazy now, we just expect to pull into a gas station and it'll automatically fill our car. Maybe we should go back to the self-serve attendant. How many of you like your wireless phone carrier? Do you have T-Mobile? Who do you have? You have Verizon? Actually, Verizon is the highest in the index. How many are following T-Mobile and what they're doing? T-Mobile, in the last three quarters, every quarter, have gained more subscribers to their, pro to their service than any of the other, the other top four subscribing carriers. They're growing. And why are they growing? What are they calling themselves now? They're calling themselves the uncarrier. They're setting them apart, and they're setting themselves apart by customer support. Internet social media, guess who was the lowest last year? Well, they're the lowest again this year, at least in this category. Who do you think is the lowest customer-satisfying social network today? Well, absolutely no doubt. Last year, they were 62. This year, they've grown a little bit, but they're now sharing the space with LinkedIn. LinkedIn and Facebook scored the exact same number this year on customer satisfaction. Why? Because they don't give a crap about us. They really don't. They're filling your newsfeed with crap. They're limiting the reach of your newsfeed. Those of you that are following LinkedIn now, like every day on LinkedIn, I get some yokel who's got some blog post on LinkedIn that I don't give a shit about. I really don't. But it's filling my feed. These guys aren't paying attention to customer satisfaction. They're trying to build audience so they can serve ads. Health insurance, airlines, cable TV. Do we really want to be lumped with this group of folks? No. Last one is ISPs. And let me tell you, Comcast, if any of you that use Comcast, I use them. I hate them. I use them for phone. I use them for Internet. I use them for TV. I hate them. They show up in many of these different industries, and they show up almost at the very bottom in all of them. And that validates with my own experience. So what's happened? As we in media have been basically lumped in the bottom percentile of this customer satisfaction since 1995, guess who's stepping in and trying to solve the, our customer problems with their products? All of the big boys out there. So this was just in October. This is my iPhone. I wake up one day. I've downloaded iOS 8. I have this handy little feature. How many of you use the Tips app on iPhone? So Tips is an app that comes installed on your iPhone. You cannot pull it off. It sends notifications to your homepage, and it says, learn how to declutter articles on the web. So I tap that. Here is Apple promoting a way to ruin my business model. It says, remove web page clutter. Safari can make articles easier to read. If the page you're on supports it, tap this icon to see the just text and photos. And then here's the stick in the cage, needle in my eye, without ads or distractions. I can't do anything about this. Apple has listened to their customers. Their customers have told them, I hate all the ads on the web. And Apple says, 
yeah, those media companies suck at figuring out how to make a better user experience. Why don't we make it for them? Here are some other major companies that are doing things about our business model. Facebook. So on Facebook today, how many of you guys click one of the, that little arrow up on an ad and let you choose what you want to see and what you don't want to see? They're letting you customize the ad experience. Mozilla, how many of you heard in uh, January, February, Mozilla launched a new browser that allows customers to completely opt out of ads? Now it is Mozilla, so why worry? <laughs> Google, for about 10 years, how many of you are aware that Google, as part of their search algorithm, penalize you if you have too many ads in first view? Thank you. Yeah, Google, Google dings you if you have too many ads in first view. Matt Cutts. How many of you follow Matt Cutts, the guru of search? Dude, that dude is like Hitler on the internet. Like, he can do anything he wants. And what he's doing now is he's making it really difficult for publishers to make money. He's penalizing us. And then how many heard about Contributor in the fall? So Contributor kind of came and went. I don't think it's totally gone yet, but Google launched a product called Contributor. They partnered with large brands like Mashable. But they went to Mashable and said, we're going to build a product for you that will ask customers, do you want to remove ads from this site? If the customer said yes, they'll charge them a monthly subscription. It's basically a paywall. And then Google Rev shares that with Mashable. But it's giving audience more ability to get rid of those crappy ads. Okay, now let's talk about Apple. So I just showed you what they did on the new iOS tips option. Now they're promoting it heavily. And then how many have heard this? How many are following this? iOS 9. What's the biggest feature right now being talked about on media on iOS 9? Ad blocker. Like getting rid of ads, letting consumers block ads on their devices. And the publisher world is all up in arms. Like they're now like saying Apple's the enemy. We got to figure out new ways to get ads in. Just yesterday I read this article. This is the best take I've heard. Nobody's focusing on this. We're still all of those old VPs of sales and media who's complaining about everything and saying, well, yeah, that's what consumers always say. So this guy, Jim Lynch, who writes for CIO.com, wrote this yesterday. I'm going to read it because I didn't memorize it. One thing that has not gotten much attention is the idea that ad blocking in Safari for iOS 9 might help encourage better ad practices by publishers. Once users have the ability to block ads, it forces publishers to rethink what kinds of ads they run, how many are on each page, and how they are placed and displaced for readers. Basically, ad blocking in Safari empowers users to hit back if publishers annoy them with poor ad practices. Amen, brother. So display advertising, tough business model. Question? Native? Yeah, in my bigger speech, I talk about native. And we're, you know, we're all talking about native. Yeah, I do, at some point in time. Because native ads, what could be good, like native articles, we're going to ruin. We're going to make them worse and worse and worse. And eventually, Apple and Google and Facebook are going to be like, here we go again, these publishers. And they're going to do something to block it. So how many have read this? This is awesome. It's a guy named Andrew Chen. The law of shitty click-throughs is basically this. Over time, all marketing strategies result in shitty click-through rates. This is the very first display ad on record. Showed up on a tech site. It's the, also the very first clickbait on record. Have you ever clicked your mouse right here? You will. Any guesses on what the click-through rate was for this ad? Say it again. Say it really loud. 78. Close. 78%. Who would die for 78% click-through rates today? First four days, 78% click-through rate. The life of this campaign dropped to 44%. Still awesome. Where are click-through rates today? 0.04% on average. 
That right there is the visual representation of the law of shitty click-throughs. This is what it, I translate it to. Over time, marketers ruin everything. And I can say that because I'm a marketer. But the gentleman back here asked about native ads. Over time, we're going to ruin them. How many saw the Geico ad where it comes on and the Geico logo's already on and it says, you can't skip this ad because the ad's already over. The lady says something like, save 15% in 15 seconds and it's a family eating dinner. And then says, you can't skip this ad, it's already over. And then it's dead silent. And it looks like they freeze, but if you watch them, they haven't froze. They're just standing there. And then the dog comes in and starts licking the food off of the plate. How many have seen that? You can't click off as soon as that dog comes in. You have to watch the full 30 seconds. Another example of marketers ruining everything. So we tested this at DDM, and this is where we finally said, we really suck. We've got to figure this out. So we tested lowest common denominator design. We took, remember this? We took this and said, let's fix that. Let's build a better user experience. Same advertiser sent as this one. We're like, ugh. So we asked them, can we take your creative and can we fix it? And can we test it side by side? So we gave it to our creative directory, changed it into this, and we tested it. We ran it side by side. Here were the results. The blue click-throughs are, are the original content. The orange are the, the new test. Here's what it shows up on the site. If you actually make an ad look fine, you're going to do better. 411% better or 195% better, depending on where they're clicking. We took this and we shared this with all the advertisers, and they still send us crappy advertising. So, one, I can't change marketers' minds because they just are hell-bent on ruining everything. Can we translate that to mobile? No, because here's why. On my website, I have three ads at about, I average three ads at about $9 revenue per thousand. On mobile, I'm lucky to get two ads monetized at 45 cents per thousand. That's a translation of 95% revenue decline. Then the next thing that ad execs say is, it has to be more disruptive like that crappy Allstate ad. We tried that. So we took this page on our KSL news site. One of the most popular pages is the weather forecast. If you scroll down, that's the TV forecast from the night before from our TV affiliate. Really significant. Let me give you 541,000 uniques hit this a month. 1.83 million page views. Or no, 2.3 million page views, 1.8 million visits. So a lot of people hit this page. We said, let's make them watch an ad. So we put this in. And we said, you got to watch this ad first before you can get to weather. We'll give you a little snippet of weather. That's actually our product owner who said, this sucks for the consumer. Can I give them something? This is what happened. We ran this for 10 days. 291,000 path views, basically 291,000 visits, came to the site. Had this happen to them. 7% left the site altogether. They said, screw this, I'm out. Left, didn't come back in that 10-day period to a weather page that people check every day. 68% survived, 47% clicked the skip ad, and then 53% uh, made it through the entire 15-second ad. 25% panicked. They were like, this isn't the weather page, this isn't the weather page. 34% clicked the back button, meaning a button we put on the creative, and then the other 66% clicked the browser back button. 25% of that group never came back to weather in that 10 days. 75% soldiered on, they refreshed the page, we frequency capped that crappy ad, took their mulligan, in the end, 86% made it to what they were looking for after doing a lot of crap to get there. This is what the impact was. Yes, we grew video inventory. 21%, but that equated to less than 1% of our revenue for the month. The weather forecast declined 14%, meaning the people that came to watch last night's TV rip forecast. The TV weatherman was pissed. He came upstairs and he said, now you guys are screwing with my audience. 
but he wanted to put all of the ads on my product. Visits declined 18.5%. Page views declined 14%. Uniques declined 13 Over 4,000 customer email complaints. 4,000 customer email complaints in a 10-day period. So can we translate that into mobile? Yes, but you're basically ushering your customers out the door. This is where you are if you're in a media company and you monetize by display. You just don't know what the future is unless you start thinking differently. So I'm going to go through this quickly. We all know this. This is a Mary Meeker slide. This shows some of the top four platform growth rates over time. These are not on the same timeline. These are just big companies or platforms that grew over their first, how many? What is that, 20 quarters? So the bottom line, look how many subscribers AOL got over its first 20 quarters. That's the pink line. iMode, which is a mobile internet technology in Japan, look how many new subscribers they got over their first 20 quarters. Netscape, this is surprising. They had a pretty decent growth rate when they were in their heyday. Look at iOS subscription. Its first 10 quarters doubled the highest subscriber platform ever because people are moving quickly to mobile. Here's another one. This is iPad, iPhone, and iPod. When iPhone growth rates over, these are units sold over their first 12 quarters. The blue area is the number of iPhones sold over their first 12 quarters. Compare that to iPads. When iPads came out, how many of you said, I don't need that? It's too big. I got my phone. I don't get it. Look how many of us bought iPads. How many have more than one iPad in your house today? How many have more than five? I have six. <laughs> so why does this matter? This is just another one of how, compared, how tablets compare to tablets. This is why it matters. This is one of our news sites on my iPad. Screen grab, reading it vertically. What's the first thing you do when you, read a, when you consume news on a website like this? The very first thing you do. So zoom it, two tap, whatever. When I two tap, it does this. Where'd my business model go? Gone. I don't have a business model anymore. Remember when I was talking about iOS changing how they, that little ad they put on tips that says here's how you can get rid of all that clutter on the page? So they have that too on my tablet. If I click reader, now it takes away everything. If I want to cross-sell articles, if I want to do anything, Apple's figured out a way so that I can't do anything except just give them the content consumers are coming for. Just another line from Mary Meeker that's showing how things are growing on mobile. Here's another one where she says, these are consum consumption channels, print, radio, TV, internet, mobile. She talks about how this is the comparison between how much time we spend on mobile versus how much time we spend in this channel versus how much money advertisers put into the channel. She's saying that in mobile we spend 24% of our time there. Advertisers are only spending 8% of their money there. She thinks that's a big opportunity. I don't. Because mobile is more uh, sacred to me, and I don't want ads cluttering up that smaller screen. So let me show you a couple things that we do. This is why mobile is not an opportunity for ads. So how do we increase revenue in a world of declining display ad revenue? Ditch display. I'm not kidding. Judiciously. Find ways to do it before you do it. But remember that slide about portfolio mix that we have? I have eight products now that I could dump display and still be profitable. Really profitable. I have a couple products where I'm about 85% non-display ad revenue. Monetize what they came for and do it smart. Don't monetize around it. Monetize what they came for. Placement and refresh are king. Figure out a way to get your advertisers in a really prominent place in a very evergreen way. Provide tangible value. What this means is drive leads, not eyeballs, not impressions. Drive leads to your advertisers. And then make revenue variable. Quit selling CPM-based. Quit selling sponsorships. Sell based on how much revenue I give you. Sell based on how many leads I send your way. I'm going to give you a quick example of how we're doing this on one of our 10 products. So we own this site, utah.com. It's a travel and tourism site. We bought it two years ago. It's pretty crappy, honestly. It's not a great site. It has amazing content. 
but the user experience is terrible. This is what it looks like. I'll click out in a second and give you a quick path through. I'm going to give you a really fast view of how our team envisions or reimagines revenue. So when we first concepted this new site, we started with this. We said everything's on the table. Turn it upside down. We started with this. This is our first concept. I mean, this one's clearly, we did totally different. We put all the navigation on the bottom. We looked at this and said, okay, we're going to still bring in old ad formats. If they click on that, it pops this. See the little orange dots? What if they clicked on that and they said, hey, you could buy this new outfit. And we partnered with somebody like backcountry.com and did an affiliate relationship. This idea came out of consumers. When we were in California and Denver, we asked them what they look for on a travel site. No joke. Women and men said, I look to see what people are wearing in the photos because that generally means the new outfits for this year. So we're like, hey, could we monetize that? Scroll to the right, big billboards. Using old ad formats, we show this big, beautiful picture. That's just a 300 by 250 ad unit. When you hover over it, it says this photo was taken by this camera. Scroll to the right again on billboards, just bringing in a traditional ad unit. Scroll down. This is when we hit on what we think is the real idea. So these are just content blocks. As we were looking at it, we said, gosh, I could monetize this. If you click through that, that's just the native article. I could monetize tea times. If they book tea times through us, I could get a guide to write a great article and charge them to put it on our site. These are booking engines. I can sell rooms. That's just an open table reservation at a restaurant in Park City. If I go to search, I search for rooms. This is my booking engine. I'm making money on rooms booked. I build a booking engine on my site, and we make money on room booked. So let me show you how that's manifested. That was the very first iteration. This is Utah.com today. Like I said, terrible website. We actually added the booking engine in to just try to generate non-display or ad revenue. This is what's going live in August. This is the new Utah.com. This is a functional wire. So you'll see a few things in here that have changed. See any ads on that page? There's not a single ad. If I scroll down, there's not a single ad on the homepage. But I'm going to make lots of money on that homepage because I'm monetizing what people came for. This could be Park City Mountain Resort. They could buy this billboard. But in order to buy it, it better look like this. It better look like an article that somebody came for to get information about traveling here. They're going to pay a lot for this. You can pay 10 grand a month to have a homepage billboard. We're going to have five of these rotators, and we're going to monetize three of them. But every one's going to look like this. No logos. It's about Utah and people's travel experience. They're going to get to your business. They're not going to get to your business if they have a logo. I have a bunch of research that shows if you don't put logos and don't make it look like an ad, you get a 50% higher click-through rate. If I hover over this and I want to go find destinations or things to do, this is for sale. Five grand a month. Doesn't look like an ad, just gets me into that location. If I come over here, I'm clicking into a destination. These billboards are all for sale. These could potentially be two or three of them could be for sale. But they have to look like this. This is what we're calling uh, things to do page. All these things to do, all of these are for sale. Somebody could buy this mountain biking one. Utah Olympic Park could buy this. But as a consumer, this just looks like a content site who's really interested in me getting deep into Utah, not interested in me seeing a bunch of crappy ads. Then this is our native ad portion. This is our local view, we call it. Just really in-depth, deep articles about Kind of the backroads thing to do in Utah that you would never see anywhere else. So you scroll down. These are just articles that we're writing, very authentic, 
it's local. It's from a local perspective. We talk about things that people talk about in Utah with people from Utah every day, and we give outsiders a view into, wow, there's some really cool things to do in Utah. Entire site, not one ad. The entire site. TodayUtah.com makes about a million. We think we can get to 10 million in three years. Yeah. But isn't the entire site just ads? Yeah, great point. Right, that's the whole point. The entire site is advertising for clients. But it doesn't look like ads the way marketers have ruined them. I got to make money off of this. But it's just marketing. It is, except for it's authentic. So here's a great example. Today we're selling emails. We sell email placement. We go into local CVBs, and they're like, man, your voice is, our voice is very irreverent, right? In Utah.com, we rebrand it, and we said, it needs to be irreverent and, and authentic. We've shown all the click-through rates and engagement on our emails. We have about a 40% open rate on our emails and about 25% click-through rate on those emails. You go to these CVBs, and they're like, no, 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 no. That's the wrong tone. That doesn't sound like us. So we tested one, and we let them sound like them, and we let them put their logos on the site their open rates dropped to about 12 and their click-through rates dropped to about 4%. Everything is advertising, right? The problem is everything is advertising. If you can get people onto a site and have them consume it as if it isn't advertising and then they show up, I've done my job. The way we bill on this is, uh, let's say there's a ski resort they want to play. We're going to charge you a really low fee monthly just to be on the site. And then you pay us when we send you calls, clicks, and emails. That's it. You get a phone call, we're tracking the number every month, we're going to bill you for the number of calls we sent. Somebody clicks off to your website, we're going to bill you for those clicks. If somebody sends you an email, we're going to bill you for that email. Then, if you want to pay us more and get your business, like Hell's Backbone Grill. So Hell's Backbone Grill is an amazing little restaurant on Highway 12 in the middle of central Utah. Most people won't go there. But if you showcase it this way, without ads, without flash, without whizzes, without bangs... People just think it's a blog article from somebody who's been there and they like it. The reality is, it is a great restaurant where we've been and we like it. And we write about it from a perspective of somebody who's consumed. That, that actually isn't true. I've spent two years writing new articles in our voice about everything in Utah. We already have the content pre-built. Now we just go to advertising and say, do you want to put that in an email? If you want to be on the site, you've got to pay for it. One back here. So our websites, by and large, are newspapers. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering how you propose to maintain editorial integrity all your content. Yeah, so that's a good question. So this is one of our 10 business models. So we have a classified vertical. We have an event vertical. We have a local directory. We're monetizing all in through there, and then I'm figuring out how to pay newspapers so that they can keep running their content. My point is you can't monetize news. You just can't. The title is, Best Be Finding Some New Revenue, Son. you got to find new channels to make revenue. One here and then back there. So um, what if the restaurant that wants to pay you to have like, that placement is actually kind of crappy and uninteresting? <laughs> Great. So we hired two content curators. And we make sure to go in and we have reviews on all the detail pages for these restaurants. You can't play, get top placement if you don't have legitimate quality content. And trust me, one of the biggest concerns was all of this content and email that, or images that come from these companies, they could suck. So we've been in the market for two years with photographers, taking pics, doing things that we want them to do. We actually have an on-staff photographer who's doing this. So the people are not commissioned sales reps that are taking these calls because they have 
I have two sellers in market, and they've bought in 100% to this. We had one who was on when we started. We hired one when we came in. We showed him this and said, you have to be comfortable doing this. You have to be an advocate for the brand or else you can't work here. Do you want to do it or not? They're passionate about it. And honestly, the response to this from clients is huge. I couldn't get into enough of the data, but remember when I said, if you don't show it as an ad, you need a 50% higher click-through? We've tested that for four years. It works. And you make more money when you can show I'm giving you more leads. You only pay me when I do things right. So my job is to send you as many leads doing it right as possible. That's how I make money. It's no more about I have, I have 300 million page views, so I can just monetize that. It's like, no, how many leads can I get you from this 300 million? If I'm not getting you a lead, don't pay me any money. Okay. I'm a little sorry that it ended there so abruptly. The next question sort of turned into a transition into the next speaker, and this actually seemed like the best place to stop. Um, There were a lot of interesting ideas that came out of this discussion. There was sort of a moment in the room when uh, the room full of journalists all kind of began to realize what Eric was talking about, about uh, monetizing content in in a completely different way. This is one of those opportunities where I wish this was a a visual podcast so that you could have seen some of the uh, examples that he was giving. In, in particular, what he was talking about at the end with Utah.com, which hasn't, uh, this version of the site that he was talking about hasn't been, been launched yet. Basically, large display photographs of, you know, skiers, of mountains, of, you know, beautiful scenery in Utah that he was talking about actually selling, uh, selling sponsorships for. And uh, talking about selling sponsorships for stories. So imagining a website, a news website, granted this is a travel site, so you know maybe that's a, a little, you're using a different yardstick on it, but uh, where you're actually monetizing all of the content on it and there are no actual ads on the page. It was, um, it was kind of an interesting presentation. Uh, what I was doing at the other uh, presentations at the conference, I would – you know, record the presentation and then I would interview the person afterwards to sort of do some follow-up questions. Unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to do that with Eric, but I'm working to get him on the phone so we can have a follow-up interview about this because I think he has lots of really interesting things to say about e-commerce and marketing and how we're going to pay for all this. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also download episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at All Journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 